I've got um, something on my heart this morning. Okay, it was working now. Okay. Checking my boundaries there. I've got a little thing on my mind. I've, I've sort of used it before in passing. I don't know that it, I've spoken on this actual text uh, in a very long time. But this week, the Lord put this passage on my heart. It's, Matt, it's, um, let me get it a little it's Luke 9, 28 through 35. Luke 9, 28 through 35. And God put this on my heart. It's the the record of one of the most unique and captivating supernatural events recorded in the gospel. I don't think anything like it had ever happened before or since that we have knowledge of. Okay, This is like something that in the gospels that God has just... He highlighted. And I I want to examine it this morning. There's two or three things I want to mention to you about it. But it's just, it's a really cool event. Luke 9, 28 through 35, it is about the transfiguration of Jesus. Okay, everybody got that? Here we go. If you don't have your Bible, you can look at our word on the wall. We're going to go ahead and read this whole thing and then we'll just kind of come back to it, okay? About eight days after these words, he took along Peter... John and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his death, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. It's okay. We're good. Peter and those with him were in a deep sleep. And when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who were standing with him. As the two men were departing from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them. They became afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, only Jesus was found. They kept silent and in those days told no one what they had seen. Okay, stop right there. One of the cool things about this passage of Scripture is that, like I said, it was like a, it's like nothing had ever happened like this before or since. Jesus and his disciples, three of them, had went up on the mountain to pray, and they, the disciples took a nap. Um... <laughs> it's real easy to go to sleep when it's nighttime and you close your eyes and you start to pray. Sometimes the fatigue of the day will simply cause your eyelids to just 
close and a lot of times when we pray we close our eyes anyway and at the end of a long day it's really hard just sort of to drift off into sleep okay and so I don't choose really to to chastise them for drifting off into sleep this is you know what one of the things that I take away from this is Jesus understands our humanity and a lot of times we're more we're harder on ourselves than 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 he ever would be okay And as they went off to sleep, Jesus prayed, and an event happened. This is not really an experience for Jesus. This was was an event that was recorded in history. What happened to Jesus, actually, was that during the time He was with God the Father in prayer, something actually physically happened to Him, and His face changed. One of the blessings I have as a pastor is that many times under the anointing when you're in corporate worship and I get to see the faces of everybody who's in the building as the anointing's working and as the worship goes on, people who are on stage, you know, Ken, Natasha, anybody who's a worship leader, Russ, you know, they can look out and you can actually see when the anointing comes, you can actually see the faces of people change. And, and there's a word I use for it, their faces kind of flatten out. I'm telling you, a lot of times wrinkles disappear. A lot of times, literally, literally, it's almost as if someone's face is glowing. I see that. I have seen it. And that's one, of, that's, one of the, that's one of the characteristics that happens to an individual when the anointing comes. Now Jesus, the anointing was so strong when He prayed that evening that not only did His face change, but, but what was happening to Him and through Him went far beyond the pale of anything that I've ever experienced or seen. His clothes actually began to radiate. Have you ever seen a preacher under an anointing, whether it's a man or a woman, have you ever seen them get so caught up in the anointing that their clothes changed? Turn white, there was a glistening? No. What would happen in that case? People would start freaking out. Maybe that's why the Lord God allowed Peter, James, and John to go to sleep. I don't know. Think, I mean, you know, you have to think in these terms. I mean, these were men. Jesus was the second person of the Godhead. There was an event happening, transpired that never happened before. And you've got to think about that maybe because of the weight of this whole thing, that maybe, I'm just saying maybe, maybe the Lord allowed this thing to happen this way to keep them from freaking out. And saying, oh, you know, I could just imagine this now. Oh, Peter, James, and John sitting there, and Peter's got the elbow. He's, he pops John in the side and said, do you see that? And then James would say, oh my goodness, I never, what is all this going on? You, you see? And, and I'm, just, I'm just saying here. So let's just move past that and go to something else. Jesus was so affected by this, his face shone, his clothes actually began to radiate light, and on top of that, he was talking with the dead. Or people who had died. Moses and Elijah. Where was Jesus at? Was he on earth? 
Or was he in another dimension? Okay. What about that? He was in another dimension? What about it? <laughs> kind of loaded questions, aren't they? Well, his disciples were on earth. Jesus was just yonder somewhere. And as I just, you know, I just visualize things, it was like a hole appeared in, in the dimension and in the reality that Jesus, Peter, James, and John was in. It's like a hole, there was like a hole in the reality. And there Jesus was. The hole allowed us to see or allowed them to see the other reality before them. And as they were sitting on the earth, they saw something that was happening. Happening in, in, in really an unearthly way. Astounding. And Jesus was talking with Moses and Elijah. I've heard it explained like this. Jesus was talking with the law and the prophets. Okay. And as this conversation was going on, Peter, James, and John began to kind of wake up. And I've read this thing over and over and over and over. And somehow or another, Peter, James, and John recognized that Jesus was actually talking with Moses and Elijah, two men who had been, who had been caught away by God. You know, God took Moses' life, but they never found his body. Elijah was caught up in a vortex and went up into heaven. Alive, didn't have to pass through death. He was standing there talking to them. And somehow or another, now get this, somehow or another, Peter, James, and John knew it was Moses and Elijah. How did they know that? I mean, they were not wearing a sign or, or a name tag saying, hello, my name's Moses. Could have, that's one of the things I thought about. During the conversation, they could have been addressing each other by name. Now see, the extent to what Peter, James, and John heard, I don't really know. But I just simply know that through some kind of revelation, Peter, James, and John was able to pick up from this, this, unseen, this unseen realm, this other dimension. They were actually able to get some kind of information from it. And they actually saw it too. So they, they saw what they saw and they heard what they heard and they were able to identify all three participants. It's revelation. One way or another. And one way or another it came from wherever it was that Jesus was with them. And see, this message this morning is all about, or to a large degree, it's about revelation. What was the, what was the, what, what was the revelation of the conversation that was going on between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah? What was, what was the thrust of the conversation? What were they talking about? The death in Jerusalem. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step right here for just a second, and I'm going to say this. Here's what I think, okay? And I, I try to distinguish in, in, in what I'm, when I'm speaking to people, uh, thus saith the Lord, and what I think. Here's what I think. I think... That throughout the ages, from the time there was anything created until that moment, 
the central conversation in the spirit realm of the servants of the Most High God, those who had died, the martyrs, the people who had perished, who had passed from this life. I believe that the central conversation in paradise up to that moment had been what Messiah was going to do. I can't prove that. What has been the conversation in the spirit realm since the third day of Jesus' death? The central conversation in our realm And I believe that Scripture would declare, especially if you look at Revelation, that the central message, the central conversation in the spirit realm and in the natural realm since Jesus rose from the grave was His great victory and the salvation that comes only through Him. See, up until this moment, it was anticipation. It was about the coming of the Son of God, the coming of Messiah, the coming of Chosen One. He's coming into the earth. He's going to redeem. He's going to bless. He's going to love. He's going to save. It was talking about what He was going to do. And after He did it, everything has been oriented oriented from what He has done. I think there's a message in that for us. I think we need to take a clue from the record of Scripture and our conversation as we meet and as we gather and as we go out to witness, as we sit around our tables and converse with other believers, as we engage in, 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 uh, in, in the Iron Man Club, our conversation should be about the victory of Jesus and what He has accomplished and what it means to us. See, there is a testimony behind your life. And there is a reason why you're, you have lived to this current moment in time. And I'm afraid that many of us, me included, have wasted a lot of time not communicating that properly and given every chance that we can. Have you ever, listen, let me ask you this. Have you ever been somewhere and and you you meet someone new or you come upon somebody who's who's got an injury or a problem, maybe they're wearing a, a foot cast or something or this looks down, downcast and, 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 and trodden down. Have you ever had a conversation or been in the vicinity of a person and after you left you realized you missed a wonderful opportunity to share Jesus or just to walk up and say, you know, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for this hurt foot of yours? You know how many times I've been turned down to pray for people? Once. Really did once. I was in chaplaincy in the Brunswick Hospital Went up to oncology that day. We had a protocol on a list that we used. I went up to oncology, was talking with this, this, this older lady. She was sitting in the middle of the bed trying to eat, and she was in great difficulty. Nothing was working out right. I mean, she couldn't even dip the ice cream out of her cup. She was frustrated, and she was ill, and she was angry. I came in and introduced myself. I said, I'm, uh, I'm Keith Smith. I'm part of the chaplaincy program here. I said, I want to come up and visit with you today, see how you were doing, and uh, see if I can offer you prayer. I said, can I pray for you? She looked at me and gritted her teeth and she said, No! I said, Okay. 
I mean, I got a very definite, definitive, no, you won't. <laughs> okay, have a nice day. That's the only time anybody ever in pain, hurt, or sick refused prayer. I'm telling you now. <laughs> Should have growled back at her. Could have had a growl. You know, maybe that's what it would have taken. I don't know. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I want to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Oh, me. But see, the thing is, it's about, our life should be about the central conversation. You young people, if you, know, if, if you go ahead and embrace that as a way of life now, it makes everything that comes a lot easier. You don't have to be reprogrammed later. But it's about the central conversation. Now, let's look at Peter just a minute. Peter had been asleep. They missed, granted, they missed part of the scene. They missed part of the event because they were asleep. But when they became awake, then they realized, they, they, they kind of got in on the, on the ending of the event. And Peter said... Master, as the two men were leaving, you know, have you ever been a day late and a dollar short? That's kind of, that had to be kind of the way they felt here. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What's wrong with this? <laughs> what happened here? Because, you know, he was rebuked by that from heaven itself. We'll see that in just a little bit. That's another part of this. What happened here? I'm sorry, what? Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. What else? Maybe. I love this. That's right. That's right. And, and that, that's, part of, that's, that's part of the next thing that we're going to address. And thank you. Let's, let's, let's hold that right there. Peter had just had a terrific spiritual experience. Could have been, I don't know for sure, but could have been the main experience of his entire life with Jesus. He was excited. He was full of exuberance. He was full of want to do something for God. You ever been that way? I mean, being in a worship service... Or have a visitation. I, be, I believe in the visitation. I believe in the ministry of angels. I believe in the presence of Jesus. I believe, in, I believe that there are supernatural experiences in the Bible that people are living today. I don't discount any of that. Okay? And after you've been with the divine, there is this supercharge that you get that you just feel like you can do anything or you should do anything, but that you, you need to... I, I need to do something... Because I've been visited. You know what I take away from this? Let's look at the next verse. I think, I think it's kind of revealed here. and We'll just go around into what Ken was talking about. 
While he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them. They became afraid as they entered the cloud, or, or as the cloud came and, and, and caught up with them. Now, I don't know if this was, I, I, I think it was at night. But I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Is anybody, is, is anybody sure on whether it was day or night time? Are we even told about that? I, I, I can't remember exactly. But let's just think, let's think for a minute. If it was night time, if it was, stepping aside, if it was night time, this cloud that was approaching them was visible. It was like, it was like, it had to have been sort of like the, 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 the cloudy pillar, the, the cloud by day and the fire by night that the, the Israelite people experienced during the wilderness journey. Anyway, this cloud came and it, it terrified them. I mean, it was an awesome, bone-chilling, <laughs> scary thing. And it caught up with them. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Leave that right there. Peter missed the point. I think Peter missed the point the way a lot of us miss the point a lot of times. Sometimes, all God wants you to do in moments of revelation, when He's speaking, when He's giving you this wonderful visitation from Him or you're receiving ministry from Him, you know what He wants you to do? He doesn't want you to do anything. He wants you to listen and enjoy His presence. In, in, in most of our backgrounds, one way or another, haven't we at least to a little degree with our experience in church, hasn't there somewhere along the line come down the, the, the suggestion or the rule that we got to do something? We gotta, we gotta work. We gotta get up here and yada 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 because God has He's 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 given us this. And true, there are instances where we need to do that, but we need to have the discernment enough to understand when God wants to motivate us to do something, but just when He just wants to speak to us. And so what? So what God was telling Peter here is Peter. I'm going to just kind of put my own vernacular in there, okay? It's not in Scripture. But Peter got the message, shut up, Peter, and listen to my son. Because he's got something he needs to tell you, and you need to hear. And that's what this is all about. There's something you need to hear, Peter. So listen to him. And ultimately, as they were going away from this, if you keep reading through the chapter, ultimately you realize that they got the message about John the Baptist being the Elijah that was to come to restore all things and prepare the way for Jesus. But see, this is about, it's about listening. It's about receiving the, the supernatural revelation of the Lord, listening, and then everything kind of begins to fall into place. How hard, let me ask, you know, I'm just... To be real with you, how hard is it just to sit and listen sometimes? 
It's really hard. Sometimes, sometimes we're encumbered by busyness. Sometimes we're encumbered by, we just won't listen. Not in a, not in a posture to hear. And then, next slide, next verse. After the voice had spoken, only Jesus was found. They kept silent and in those days told no one what had happened. If you look in the Gospel of Matthew, the parallel uh, passage in Matthew 17, what you will find is this, is that Jesus actually, as they were terrified, trying to deal with this cloud and comprehend the voice that came to them out of the cloud. See, they had, they had two supernatural experiences, just boom, boom, one right behind another. Jesus comes and the scripture says that he touched them. He touched them and said, don't be afraid. Which is the next thing I want to share with you about revelation, revelation of the Lord. Sometimes when the revelation of the Lord is strong or unexpected or maybe when, when, when you're a little bit, when the Lord comes and He speaks to you and you're just a little bit chastised or when He comes to you and He says something so magnificent it's just kind of hard to comprehend. When he, in those times, it, it's sort of a scary thing. Sort of a frightening thing. Those of you who've, who've involved yourself in ministry, you've probably had experiences like that. I know I've, I've heard from the Lord in my own life some things that really kind of scared me. The thing I want to tell you is this. Never be afraid of the revelation and the voice that comes to you talking to you about what you need to do. Because God would not say anything to you that you can't do. That you're not capable of accomplishing. God's not going to speak to you to hurt you, to frighten you, to scare you away. He's going to speak to you to get your attention so that you can really understand the, 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 the fuller measure of His love and His purpose for your life. He doesn't do it to make you afraid. And one touch from Jesus takes all that away. Just, just one. So see, this is about revelation. It's about... It's about the message of Jesus, how we hear that, and how we, how we, how we apply that. It's about, it's about personal revelation, what God wants to say to us. And it's about giving us confidence to be able to receive whatever revelation it is and go forward with it in our lives. See, the revelation from God is designed to transform us. Really, if I can just use this, from glory to glory to glory. See, this was a glorious experience that Peter, James, and John had. They saw, they saw the glory of the Lord. They saw the cloud. They saw Jesus. They saw two folks that had left this earth a long, long time ago. I mean, you, you begin to think about what they had to absorb maybe in just a few, few, few seconds or a few minutes. It'll boggle your mind. But Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, was so wonderful, He came to them and said, you know, don't let this scare you. Don't let it worry you. Don't let it bother you. Then they got up and they went. And also one of the things he was doing as it was stated earlier is he was, he was beginning to separate the old from the new. You see, Peter to one degree was reacting based on revelation from his past. Because he wanted to build a sukkah. He wanted to build... 
He wanted to build a tabernacle. He wanted to build a place of habitation for the Lord to come, for, for, for the Lord to come and habitate. But he also wanted to build one for Moses and Elijah because the Jewish people held Moses, the law, and the prophets in such high regard. And they were trying to give, in his, in his innocent way, he was just, based on the revelation of the past, he was, he was giving Moses and Elijah the same billing and credit as Jesus. And, 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 and Jesus came to fulfill all that to do away with that so grace could come. Grace and truth comes by Jesus. Okay? And so the final thing I want to talk to you about this morning is past revelation is good only when it's used as a stepping stone to present revelation and what you need to do in the future. But if you, begin, if you or I begin to live in past revelation only and we isolate our world and our experience and our destiny to past revelation, we will never see or experience, or attain. Not only an understanding of who God is and who Jesus is, but we'll never understand or attain our full destiny because it'll always be past-oriented. God's got something for you today. And here's, here's the other thing about the prophetic movement I just need to say. It, unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of prophetic people, they want to live in what's prophesied for the future. And, and when we begin to look for new words and, and new this and new that and new all the other, we miss the reality that the prophetic words for today. To live it, see, see, prophecy is for today. What God has spoken over my life. I don't. I'm trying to explain this in a way. When somebody speaks over me, and prophesize something that's coming down the road six months or a year or two years now. And I can't judge all that. I don't know when it's coming. You know what I do? I, I assimilate that into my spirit. And I try to begin to live spiritually and mentally in the mode like, that's now. Does that make any sense? But Jesus was drawing a line. God was drawing a line. And he didn't say that all this, that, emoji, that, that the law and the prophets were bad. It's, it's all the Word of God. It's given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus came to fulfill, to fulfill and to go forward. Jesus didn't come to put a rubber stamp on that, just like, you, know, you can have me and that. He just came to fulfill. I'm, I am the one. God said He is the one. And if God says Jesus is the one, and if grace and truth comes through Him, then that's where I need to position my life. And the way I receive revelation. And that's the same way you need to. He is grace and truth. And He's for today. And He's for tomorrow. And He's for every tomorrow. Until there is no more tomorrows, only the eternal, everlasting day. That's where Jesus dwells. That's what He has made for us. I encourage you today. That's His Son. Jesus is His Son. Hear Him. Now, I will say this too. And this is just sort of, sort of in passing sort of to conclude so nobody misunderstands. If you notice, 
who, was, who was given to us after Jesus ascended? Holy Spirit. We're told by Scripture that He is our God. He is he's, uh, our teacher. The Scripture says to listen to Him. A lot of times today, we say, you know, uh, let me see if I can get this right. Jesus told me, or the Holy Spirit told me, or Jesus did this, or the Holy Spirit did that. We refer to as He. Listen, I don't think we need to split a whole lot of hairs <laughs> between the Godhead. If I, if I say, Jesus told me, or if I say, the Holy Spirit told me, don't get mad with me that you think that I have excluded one other person of the Godhead. To me, they're basically, I think they're one. Okay? And so don't split hairs between what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit said, what God did, as you begin to verbalize it, or as I begin to verbalize it. It's just, just bear in mind, it's, it's, he's, he's one. And I wish I could explain that to me in a way I'd understand it. Because that totally blows my mind. I remember when I was a little boy in a Baptist church, whenever, when, I began to, when I began to receive truth, when I began to receive the truth of God, who God is, and, 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 and it was three people in one person. I uh, was nine years old, and I couldn't grab a hold to it. And to me, one of the most, probably, probably that is the most simple basic truth about the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The, the most essential truth that they are one. I really, in, in, in all my life, I haven't been able to wrap my head around it. So he is good. He means God, he means Jesus, and he means the Holy Spirit. He is good. And he is lovely. God is lovely. Jesus is lovely. The Holy Spirit is lovely. He is revelation. See what I'm saying? Just It goes on and on and on. Then Jesus came up, touched him, said, Get up, don't be afraid. <laughs> ah. And when they looked up, they saw no one except him, Jesus alone. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone about the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And I don't think they did. I don't think they did. I can't really prove that, but I don't think they did. You know, James and John and Peter are referred to as the inner circle. And a lot of times that's taken by people to mean that they were, some, they were an elite group of apostles or disciples like heads and shoulders above all the rest of them. I'm not exactly sure that's right. I'll offer you, I'll offer you another suggestion. I mean, you can, you can decide that for yourself. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm all okay with you deciding for yourself. It may have been they just needed more work than the rest of them. I, I, I don't know. But I know they were the three there. And Jesus knew they either needed this experience but he also trusted them with it. And I want you to understand something. When God gives you revelation, you need it, and he'll trust you with it. That's what he's doing. And it's a precious thing. 
And so I want to pray for you about revelation and, and, and that sort of thing before we go. And then if there's anybody here who's sick or who needs prayer, we'll pray for them. Father, in Jesus' name, we're all learning. And we are at various places on the learning curve. And Lord, I can pray for myself. And if my brothers and sisters are in, are in need of this, Lord, then, then apply it to them as well. Lord, I need help. I need, your, I need to read from your word about your promises and about who you are. But I also need revelation, dear God, from, from the Holy Spirit about destiny. I, Lord, I need, I need not only solid, rock-hard, concrete belief in your word, but God, I need the experiences that you've laid apart for me in terms of revelation that I can understand and grasp and that I can apply in my life. And Lord, beyond that, beyond what the Holy Spirit does, I need Jesus to dispense love and grace on me so that I can take the revelation and I can take it forward and apply it with all the love that you have to give me. Because I need that. I cannot apply it or digest it, assimilate it, or distribute the revelation to affect positively the lives of other people unless you give me the grace and the love to do it with. And so I pray for, Lord, I, just, I pray for greater revelation, which is truth. I pray for a greater knowledge of who you are for me and my friends. And we just pray, dear God, together that you use us more. Lord, you've not wasted one ounce of energy on us. You have given it to us to be stewards for us to, to, re, to release that and package it, Lord, and to send it out at some point in time in our lives. And so, Lord, today's the day. And so we bless your name. And we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. And Lord, we understand this is Jesus, hear him. And so we hear Jesus today.